Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. Today, I'm so excited because I have Dion Kenzie on the show. He is a Paralympic runner for Australia and a recent world champion for the 1500-meter race. And I know that I've had Nate Reich on the show, and he's a Paralympic runner for Canada. And I'm just really excited to have another Paralympic runner on the show and just raise more awareness around Paralympic running running and just disabilities in general. And yeah, he's got a super motivational story. So I'm really excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's just jump into it. So I'm very excited to have Dion on the podcast today. He is another Paralympic runner. I know that I've had Nate on before, and it was a really great conversation, um, really well received by the podcast listeners. So I'm really excited to have another Paralympic runner on, and I'm really excited for everyone to hear Dion's really incredible and motivational story. So I'd love for you to just take a chance to introduce yourself and um, just talk a bit about yourself. Oh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast, Liz. It's an absolute pleasure. So, um, yeah, my name's Dion Kenzie. Um, I'm an Australian Paralympian. Um, so uh, my, my disability is cerebral palsy. Uh, so basically the same category as, as Nate, uh, who you had on the podcast previously. Uh, and basically cerebral palsy, the way it affects me in terms of like a 1500-meter race, uh, it predominantly affects the right side of my body. Uh, and it's basically, you know, uh, the muscle control and, and the, the ability for me to obviously contract my muscles throughout a race. So uh, for me, it's predominantly in my right calf. So uh, obviously in terms of accelerating at the start of a race uh, and then accelerating towards the end of a race as well, it really just affects that ability to, to pick up speed compared to a naval bodied athlete um but yeah my story obviously started when i was quite young i was diagnosed uh, with cerebral palsy at the age of two um and yeah i guess um in terms of a running aspect i started running uh, early high school i guess um at the time i was just obviously really enjoyed it trying to get fit for football uh, but also wanted to win my school cross country as well so um, I sort of I had ambitions to win the school cross country which I guess I was lucky enough to do uh, actually win um, in year seven uh, then I obviously went on to um, you know compete in the in the um, the state uh, cross country championships um, and I think the first year I competed I fin- finished about 64th so I guess that's sort of at that point I thought oh, you know I'd really like to uh, see how I can go with this and see if I could make the, the state team one day so I guess over that journey I actually started committing to running around then and over the next four years you know I was able to progress to the point where I was actually um, becoming quite a competitive able-bodied athlete um, and then yeah from from about year nine or year ten I was actually um, obviously uh, uh, up there with some of the best to actually make the state team and actually go and represent uh, my little state, Tasmania, uh, at the national championship. So I guess that's where my journey started. Uh, then from there, uh, it was actually my co- coach who picked up on my disability around that point. I hadn't actually mentioned to him that at the time that I had a disability, but he just sort of noticed throughout training that my coordination was a little bit different to everyone else. So he actually brought it up with me once at training. And yeah, I did obviously tell him about, you know, how I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at an early age and obviously, you know, the stuff that I had to go through to obviously progress uh, to the point that I was. Uh, Then obviously there was an opportunity there, obviously to um, look into the para uh, athletic side of things. And yeah, I guess the rest has been you know, 
a pretty big whirlwind. Yeah, definitely. Did you face any challenges growing up during your childhood and did your disability affect you in any way? Yeah, absolutely. I think at an early age, it was probably, you know, probably the biggest challenges that I've had in terms of a disability. So um, my mom used to take me to a lot of physiotherapy, uh, speech therapy, uh, and a couple of operations as well. So I think um, at an early age, uh, something like cerebral palsy, I guess the more work you can do for it at an early age, you know, helps you later on in life. So um, I guess I'm just so thankful for my parents. Uh, the amount of work that they put in at that age has really helped me, obviously, um, today. So um, yeah. I guess in terms of challenges back then, at that young age, obviously, you're probably not uh, aware as much of, you know, what you've actually, what condition you actually have. Um, but I guess I was fortunate enough that, that by the time I was sort of going into high school, I, was, I felt just like any other kid, obviously, just being able to go out in the playground and, and play with other kids as well. So. And specifically on like, if there were any hard days that you struggled with, how did you manage to get through them? And what was that like at different ages? Because I know that when you're maybe a little bit younger, I think, you know, obviously you tend to, it's a little bit harder to manage and deal with. And so I think maybe as you get older, you tend to maybe create better coping mechanisms. But what did that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, at a, at a young age, it was definitely the disability itself in terms of coordination and everything like that. Um, I think as I got older, I got more and more in sports. So I'd try so much harder than everyone else to get good at it. So I guess, you know, by the time we were, you know, I was in high school, I actually, I was actually, you know, quite um, in terms of ability, I was almost just as good, if not better, as some of the other kids at some of the activities, just because I worked so hard at them for a long period of time. Um, but I think in terms of the disability itself, you know, um, I sort of went through that phase when I was young, uh, sort of, you know, developing my motor skills and everything like that, that, you know, I sort of went through that phase where I sort of didn't have to worry too much about, you know, the other kids picking up on my disability as much. So I think, uh, you know, in later high school, it's sort of when I sort of got introduced to para-athletics and sort of looked down that route, uh, everyone finding out about my disability, I think from a, a mental point of view, I think, uh, you know, it took some time at that age for me to sort of overcome that and sort of accept, accept my disability, uh, disability, I guess, and obviously, um, you know, being able to, yeah, fully accept me for who I am and, um, and progress to where I am today, so. Yeah, yeah, and so when, what age was it, did you say that you exactly got into running and what did that? look like because it did it start from sports or was it just solely running I think um I've always had a you know, a close connection with running. It always feels like something that I'm, I'm meant to be doing feels part of who I am. So um, I guess in early primary school, sort of to mid primary school, I used to be that kid, I guess, that you'd see running laps uh, around the school over at lunchtime and people would ask me why I'm running. And I guess I, I didn't really know at the time, I just enjoyed running. So, you know, I, I did a bit of training here and there throughout sort of my early stages in life, uh, but it wasn't until probably early high school. So about oh, 12, 13 years of age uh, that I really sort of got serious about it and that's when I probably started training most days and yeah the rest has gone on from there. Yeah. And so what is the journey looked like in terms of getting into the para running world and kind of, I don't know, just switching from, you know, trying to kind of establish yourself with other people who didn't necessarily have disabilities and kind of then kind of joining a community where, you know, maybe you felt a little more accepted or maybe amongst other people that also had disabilities and kind of could share in that, in that life struggle, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess like 
I was saying, you know, in the most sort of early years, I, I was training with able-bodied athletes all the time. So I wasn't really familiar with obviously the para-athletics and, you know, being around other people with different types of disabilities. So when I obviously made my first team back in 2013, I think that really opened my eyes up to obviously all the different disabilities that people have. And I think I just gained an appreciation for obviously the way everyone goes around things. You know, I find most people, you know, with, with disabilities are probably more happier than, you know, people uh, in every day-to-day life. So I I really, um, you know, was able to get up close and personal with some of Australia's best um, and probably some of the best in the world as well, like in terms of having a chat with them around their disabilities and, and getting understanding of obviously their mindset around it. And I guess what I found really fascinating was is the, the ones that really um, went so well, they really just, um, you know, they embraced their disability uh, and they also uh, accepted full responsibility for it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, it wasn't something that I guess you know, having a disability is outside of your control, but uh, how you respond to it when you do have it, uh, that's obviously within your control. So it was really interesting, obviously, speaking to other Paralympians around uh, how they cope with things as well. Yeah. Was there a certain age where you kind of wanted to like finally accept it? Because I know you were saying, you know, you worked extra hard and you really pushed yourself to try and be, you know, at the same level, if not better than these other able-bodied athletes around you. Was there an age where you kind of just said, you know, I'm just accepting myself for who I am and, you know, I'm accepting myself for having a disability and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, in high school, you're sort of going through a phase where you're you're still trying to discover who you are as a human being so I think during that phase of my life you know I probably wasn't as secure in myself as you know I I didn't know if I wanted people to know if I had a disability or anything like that so um, I guess when obviously news did come out that I was sort of going into that you know opportunity of of becoming a para-athlete I guess that was the phase where um, you know I sort of uh, I went through a phase where you know I had of self self acceptance, where I guess that probably took a, a, a bit of a period of time, maybe around six to twelve months, to really obviously accept who I was and um, you know really embrace the para movement, which I'm so thankful uh, that I have because obviously you know I've met some of my best friends, obviously who are other Paralympians um, and everything like that. So yeah, it's um, been a great journey. Yeah, and what are some of the accomplishments that you've achieved? I know that I did see um, it must have been a recent race of yours. You definitely you. Mentioned- mentioned in the beginning where you kind of sometimes struggle to start off but I was watching a race and I can't remember which one it was on YouTube but it was one where you kind of just like came out of nowhere and just really um, ended up taking the first place finish at the end but um, what are some of the accomplishments that you've managed to kind of get under your belt in um, the para-athlete world? Yeah I guess um, probably two of the main uh, accomplishments that I'm, I'm most proud of would first of all be uh, representing Australia at the Paralympic Games in in 2016. Uh, I was was fortunate enough to win a silver medal there. So, I mean, just to get to represent a country, your country at a Paralympic Games is just a huge honour. So I think that was a really special moment for me. Uh, And also uh, the World Championships in 2017. So perhaps that was the race that you watched. um, But I was fortunate enough enough to win the gold medal at that one as well. So um, they're probably two of my uh, most sort of cherished memories uh, competing over the last sort of 12 years. So, um, yeah. Okay. And then what what are kind of your what do your future plans look like in terms of the Paralympic world? Yeah, so obviously the the next six months is pretty crucial. So uh, we've got the Tokyo Paralympic Games coming up in you know late August September. So I uh, you know that's that's going to be a really um, big focus of mine over the next 
five or six months, um, as I'm sure it is for a lot of um, uh, Olympic and para athletes as well. So um, I think, you know, uh, for most of us, we've we've put in so much work. So it's really just comes down to the, the little 1% things now and, and just focusing on probably one or two weaknesses that could, you know, make a huge difference for us uh, in five or six months' time. So uh, that's something I'm really excited for. Obviously, it's, it's you only get so many opportunities to go to Olympic or Paralympic Games and, and represent your country. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Yeah, yeah. Random question, but I'm just curious. Has the pandemic yeah. kind of affected that, like, like the training for that in any way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it has affected us here in Australia. I think we, we've probably been uh, quite fortunate compared to some other parts of the world. Um, where obviously it's probably only been in specific states at specific times. Um, but in terms of training, I think, um, you know, when the Games was called off about, you know, 12 months ago, I think a lot of athletes had a lot of different mixed emotions around, obviously, how they felt about that. And I thought, you know, I really, I've got to think of something that's going to empower me. It's an opportunity to get, to get better over uh, the next 12 months uh, obviously provided at that time that I, I thought it was going to go ahead in 12 months so obviously being 24 20 24 last year 25 now I knew that you know another 12 months I was only going to be better so I really just used last year as, a, as an opportunity uh, obviously for a lot more training uh, and I, I found that it was really um, a productive period for me you know if anything my training was better I was a lot more focused on my training just because obviously you know the, the, most things were closed so you couldn't go out for coffee or anything like that so I think it was almost just like um, a blind focus on on training and everything like that and I think you know I've been re- reaping the benefits of that now so uh, I'm really excited to obviously see see what I can do in six months time yeah yeah definitely and so I'm um, kind of switching gears into like any motiv- motivational ch- um, tips is there yeah. anything that you would change about the course of your life in terms of just how things have played out in events yeah I think um you know for me running has always been a big part of who I am so in terms of that running out uh, aspect absolutely not you know I absolutely love it and there's there's nothing that I'd change about it um in other parts of my life I think you know as a runner and an athlete in general uh you know training so hard and everything like that you do give up on probably other opportunities that you'd like to pursue outside of the sport as well um so for me yeah I guess um you know that's just part and parcel with you know being an athlete but there's certainly other opportunities that I'd like to pursue you know i I'd like to um, obviously start a business and everything like that one day as well. Uh, but at, at the time, at, now obviously, you know, it's pretty limited opportunity to um, be able to go and represent your country. So I'm really just embracing the opportunity and, and I know that, you know, uh, whenever the time may be, whether, you know, next year, five years time, 10 years time, I can really um, double down on other aspects of my life. And, you know, I'm still young and I can still still go and pursue things later on. Definitely. And I, I feel like I probably know the answer to this one. But what makes you feel most passionate and alive? Yeah, obviously, um, like I said, I, I love running and also love helping people as well. Like, uh, just sort of, I guess that sort of links back to the question that you just asked. I think if there's an area of my life that I want to sort of develop more, it's it's around helping uh, other people, obviously, you know, improve their, their health and vitality in life. So I guess that's probably another passion of mine, obviously, helping others sort of live a, live a more fulfilled life in terms of their health and vitality. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, that they're probably the two things 
that sort of make me feel the most alive. Yeah. And what are you, what are you most grateful for in terms of just, I don't know, in terms of if it's running, if it's um, a certain person or like a role model in your life, what does that look like? Yeah, I think, um, oh, well, in terms of being grateful, I think, I, you know, I wake up every morning uh, just, you know, grateful to be alive. I think, you know, uh, the ability to live, you know, we only get one life. So really embrace it and um, make the most of it, you know. So I'd say in terms of everyday life, I'm, I'm a pretty, um, you know, optimistic person. Um, but in terms of my role models, yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate to have quite a few. Uh, obviously, my coaches probably being the main ones and my parents as well. So uh, they, they've obviously played a huge part in getting to where I am today. And so I'll just give you the chance now, if you have any last tidbits that you you have to share in terms of any motivational tips or anything or if you want to just share about you and any social media that you want to plug this is your chance to kind of just take the floor <laughs> yeah I think um just obviously like I was saying just follow your passion because um that's something that I've done and obviously um you know if you follow your passion not only are you going going to be happier because you're doing something you love but you're obviously going to be more persistent at it too which in in turn will actually make you more successful at it as well so I think that's probably if I can give any advice that's probably the advice I'd give and it's it's something that I followed as well so yeah that's about it thank you very much for having me on yeah thank you so much All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. Um, I really do hope that you enjoyed it. I just wanted to thank Dion again for coming on the podcast. I will have all of his links in the show notes if you are interested in learning more about him. I will also have a link in the show notes to donate to Boston Children's as I am raising or fundraising for them for the London Marathon in 2021 this year. And lastly, if you could just leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I would be greatly appreciated. But until then, I will see you in the next episode. Bye.